Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 359 of Linux in the Hampshire, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet which will soon be coming to you with episodes posted on YouTube. <laughs> Whatever that means, if you like to get your content via YouTube, then you can do that. One nice thing about that is, well, a lot of uh, different podcatchers and stuff allow you to listen to podcasts at faster than normal speed, and YouTube is one of those things. So if you like to get your content twice as fast, you can there do that go. on YouTube. Yep. And we get but, really, really fast. Yeah. <laughs> without the use of helium there you go. as long as you take xanax with your podcast you should be fine <laughs> so anyway we are doing our deep dive episode tonight and our deep dive for tonight is going to be on backups something you should definitely be doing and if you're not doing it hopefully you're doing it after this show um Maybe I'll do it one of these days. Now, I am doing some backups, but we're going to talk about different kinds of backup solutions, software and hardware-wise, some that combine the two, and different ways that you can make sure that your data is safe and, in some cases, encrypted, deduplicated, replicated. There's lots of different things you can do, and we're going to talk about all of those. So let's get to it. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So, this was Bill's idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've gotten in a discussion on uh, backup stuff. We have. And, and uh, we had mentioned Bacula. We did mention Bacula, and we'll probably do a deep dive on Bacula, and probably not as deep as it should be, because Bacula is one of those huge topics like Star and so on and so forth that could take multiple episodes but you can you can hit the high points and we probably will do that but this is just going to be a discussion about backup options uh more or less open source i think some of these are at least quasi proprietary um, but they might be good for your situation but we're going to try and stick to the open source world and talk about software that you can sort of roll your own on uh nas solutions some companies actually put out embedded platforms on hardware and things like that and we're going to try and touch on all of those things and i don't know if we're doing these in any kind of reasonable order but bill put in the first one and it is kind of a cool topic it's borg so <laughs> <laughs> i'm hoping you have some information on borg to talk about yeah this so. is like the family of uh, various software packages that are available um and like when we're talking about backups, you know, it's it's important to back up, 
your your station you know the last thing you want to lose is your log yeah it's really nice now that most people can consider club log as a backup or you know eqsl as a backup or um you know logbook of the world as a backup because yeah you do transport your whole log over there um then of course you get all the the mates coming back and stuff like that so yeah worst case scenario you have your station log backed up virtually there but uh, you know, there's a lot of other things that we store on our PCs, especially in the ham shack that, that are important, you know, like, uh, oh, gee, well, let's think of something. Oh, our, our logbook of the world certificate. How important is that? <laughs> you know, I don't know how many times I've had to re-request my stupid certificate because <laughs> that's didn't right. have a copy of it. So that's right. So making a backup of that particular setup, not necessarily the certificate, but a backup of the, uh, of the export from that <laughs> allows you to, <laughs> to move that certificate around between computers because that when you get a certificate when you request a certificate from logbook of the world it is bound to that computer so a lot of people don't realize that that it becomes a little bit more complicated than just loading that same certificate into another computer so uh yeah so we're going to talk a, a lot about the software packages and that's what we got a list of here first um and and then we'll go from there but yeah one of the first ones uh, i was kind of digging around for all these websites with you know the top 20 list of this and 2015 of list of that and blah blah and this one came up as uh, as one of the options for a software package um and it's called borg and i hadn't actually seen this one before so this one was kind of new to me so I uh, I did go in and jump in and look at it. Their website is ultra uncool. <laughs> Sounds Swedish. <laughs> so yeah, it's listed at Borg as a deduplicating archiver with compression and encryption. And of course, you know, compression is is important when you want to save space. Deduplication is awesome if you have a lot of the same files all over the place, which happens to me a lot because I make snapshots of stuff and put it all over the place. My, my hand is in the air as well. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have a million copies of like one file. <laughs> and not, not all of these solutions do deduplication, by the way, as we go through this. Uh, compression is a good thing, especially for lots of text files and things like that. But deduplication is a yeah. wonderful feature for a backup solution if your backup solution includes it and not all of them do so borg is one that does yeah and some are really smart about how they dedupe they'll actually still leave a file handle where that file should be but they will only save the data from that file once which obviously saves a, a ton of space and stuff like that do you know how borg does its dedupe is it hashing I'm I'm not sure I didn't get into that part of actually looking at how it does that. Um, I know the compression is through LZ4, ZLib, LZMA, and Z standard, of course. Uh, let's see here if I can uh, if I can figure it out real quick. I can probably find it. Um, they got a really good documentation on their site. Although most of the stuff for Borg is going to be more command line driven, so you need to be you know obviously comfortable with uh, using a command line. There are some modules that you can download to actually do it via a web app. Um, it's a lot of community resources. Uh, it's been around for quite a while, but I'm, I'm surprised I never ran into it. <laughs> 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 yeah, like the desktop client. Uh, let's see. The desktop client was uh, just updated three days ago. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, they have a, a project called Vorda, which was added on to allow you to have a desktop client for Linux and Mac OS. 
Oh, let's see. Backup, backup, backup. Tons of shell scripts. Uh, no, I don't see it right away. So we're going to skip over talking about that specific topic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this really going to waste those... 30 seconds to decide we're I not going to talk about it. But... I know. I mean, well, I mean, we're talked about it. That's what it is. So it, it does it. Let's see. D dupe. Let's see if I can just find it real quick. Most most of them, I would assume, do it by hashing because that's the fastest way to do it. You hash every file, and if the file matches, then dedupe it. I mean, um i can't i can't imagine there's any other like really efficient way to do de- duplication so yeah and searching their notes for uh, dupe does not pull up anything so well let's just say yeah. it dedupes how about that it dedupes using some method <laughs> that's probably known to everybody now there you go <laughs> <laughs> except us of course so uh yeah this one is available for linux boxes i believe bsd is fine and mac os <clears throat> so you can use it on all three systems there is not an installer for windows so obviously this installation wouldn't work for you if you have windows boxes and i don't see anything for specifically for google chrome but you shouldn't really need anything to back those up anyway um, the next one on the list is Bacula, and and uh, uh, we we should say that these these two at least so far are like true backup solutions. They don't do anything else; they just back up. Because some of the ones we're going to get into later, yeah, are actually more like cloud service engines and and other things. But these are backup solutions, right? So these are you know for you to have your own backup solution, and that means that you have a source, which is whatever you're backing up. And you have a destination, meaning that somewhere you're backing it up to. So whether that be a physical disk or whatever, um, you have to basically own both sides to make all this stuff work. So which which I consider a huge plus. I don't like putting my stuff out in the cloud, and this this gives you the option and the flexibility to have all of your stuff on your own machine, so you know where all the data is, you know it's secure whether you encrypt or not and so on and so forth. Yeah. And it's not being used for advertising purposes and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Not saying anything, Google backup, but you know, Hey, uh, (laughs) Uh, they're not the only, they're not the only bad player in that market. Yes. Yes. I'm sure Dropbox and everybody else is probably, "Mm, yeah. (laughs) Anyway. So, uh, yeah, another one here, uh, we're just trying to get through these. So, uh, Bacula again, we've talked about this. This is probably, I think the most comprehensive, it's it's basically an enterprise grade. You've used it at work. I have. Uh, and it's uh it's it's free for you to use. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously you can buy uh you know uh enterprise support and stuff like that, but you know, I've used this at at home before when I was actually had a real backup solution. Um uh I haven't had one in a long time. The nice part about Bacula is it works and they have clients for just about every machine. So that means you know Windows, no problem. They'll have a client for Windows, your Windows servers, your Linux boxes, your BSD boxes, your Mac boxes, everything is fully supported. And you could talk probably a little bit about like uh, restoring and stuff like that, how simple the tooling is for doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a, well, I use, I use uh, the B console, which is a sort of add on the CLI access to the backup solutions and restoring from that is super simple. It, it is definitely CLI based. There are some web GUIs that allow you to see like when things are backed up, backup statistics, things like that. But I haven't seen one that allows you to sort of fully command Bacula via the via web interface or web GUI. Uh, so it's definitely CLI driven. 
and there's a lot of backend configuration. It's pretty straightforward, though. The documentation on Bacula is superb. I mean, they have a giant wiki about configuring Bacula, and it will do everything for you. And later iterations of Bacula even do snapshot backups and things like that, which um, is nice, and I never got around to using before we went with a commercial solution. Boo. <laughs> which i will not mention because i don't want anyone to use it you know, it's actually pretty good but it's uh you know buku bucks that so <laughs> which one do you use uh it starts with a victor oh we use one with uh starts with an a okay <laughs> well that's just well, that's all i'm gonna say we're not gonna we're not so, gonna yeah, we're using for two different commercial ones in our commercial businesses uh but yeah like those do work as well um but bacula is, is an excellent um solution for that multi-platform uh setup right and it also allows for like uh, multiple head ends so you can have multiple controllers you can have replication as well as uh backups you know that you can have a solution that backs itself up as well as backing other things up and uh, you know with it it's it's sort of cli driven like i said before so there's a lot of configuration files and with you know as we've said before with um power comes complexity <laughs> so um you can set up things pretty simply if you've got a basic you know one storage one storage device that you're backing a bunch of clients up to uh it doesn't take a lot of work but it can be as shallow or deep as you want to get uh with a software solution so yeah they have a really neat uh web interface for the um for the server side called baculum and uh it runs obviously on phones and everything else so uh yeah and it has all kinds of statistics and data and stuff like that that you can kind of deep dive into your backups um yeah it's it's just a, a full function product so uh definitely uh definitely one that pops up on a lot of people's lists when they start talking about you know software packages uh, another one here that uh, I found is called Backup PC. How 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 uh, how simple is that? Huh? Backup PC. Uh, <laughs> this one again, I haven't heard of it. And it, it is for uh, Linux, Windows, and Mac OS. It um, it's uh, basically this a very similar thing. It has a web interface that allows uh, administrators to view log files, configurations, current status. Uh, allows users to initiate and cancel backups, browse and restore files for backups, has some data deep duplication as well. So identical files across multiple backups of the same or different PCs are stored only once, resulting in a substantial savings to disk storage. So again, that they come back to this data deduplication, which is really cool. Um, of course, these are open source solutions. This is a GPL license, I believe. Let me uh, just click the license file. Yep, GPL version 3. Um, so all of these are open source and you should be able to go on and see exactly what they're doing for the projects. Uh, last release of this was not very long ago. Why do I, why does it sometimes when I go into GitHub, I can see tags and then sometimes I can't, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I can see releases. Sometimes I can. Okay. So the last release of backup PC was on June 20th. So, you know, it is a, it's a very active project. Um, and again, has, has clients for, uh, Linux, Windows, Mac OS. So you can uh, basically do everything, including your know, enterprise grade, uh, backup with this. Uh, another one here is called your backup or you are backup or, you know, I think it's supposed to be your backup, <laughs> your backup. Yeah. This one uh, claims it's a, uh, you know, easy to set up open source client server backup system that, uh, 
through a combination of image and file backup accomplishes both data and s- data safety and fast restoration time. That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> but this one has clients um, for everything too, including BSD systems, Mac OS, Windows, blah, 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 blah. It uh, has a GUI for actually managing all of your backups. It's AGPLv3+. plus. So nice. again, open source, very nice. Uh, yeah, and it's a client server platform, and they also have a commercial option. So that means that they're well supported. And I don't know when the last, uh, yeah, the latest one was July 14th. So very yeah. current. Yeah, not bad at all. <laughs> a lot of these should keep up on, uh, on, on any kind of, uh, security releases, especially for SSL and stuff like that. So you always see, uh, quick, uh, quick changes when uh, those are changed or any library that helps support moving files around like curl and rsync and everything else. Cause you know, a lot of stuff still uses, uh, those baseline tools for actually doing the, uh, doing the work. <laughs> DD pipe through netcat. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I've never I've never heard of this one either. Got a lot of these I haven't heard of. I have heard of like two ones down from this. So let's get let's get to that one soon. <laughs> so yeah, Amanda, this is Amanda Network Backup. Uh, this is another one, and this one looks like it's. Uh, oh look, you can put it on Sol- uh, Solaris. <laughs> well, let's let's uh, we're gonna abbreviate our discussion of Amanda. The reason so Bacula is a project that kind of emerged from Amanda. Uh, oh okay. Amanda was from the University of maryland i think um they're like a computer service department or something developed amanda it's been around forever and ever and ever but uh it stopped development i think in late 2017 so it's not really oh it's uh, dead where did it's essentially a dead project but it's still out there and it's um it's sort of a precursor to other backup solutions so it's kind of worthy of mention but Oh, that's why it supports Solaris. (laughs) It's like Solaris is dead. Get over it. Jeez. Well, no, there's still uh, Indiana. It's out there. Oh, no. it's Yeah. Open Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's not quite the same thing. All right. So anyway, let's move on to sync thing. Sync thing. And I think we've actually talked about sync thing, too, um, because sync thing can be used to do any kind of ad hoc backing up as well. And I believe that I heard... The thing about sync thing is this is not a backup solution sort of like Bacula and the other ones we've talked about where like every night or every hour or whatever, it actually does a backup thing. This is a real-time backup solution. So anytime a file changes, it immediately synchronizes. It's more like a replication solution. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the thing I heard this in in, um, uh, coordination or, you know, linking to was uh, uh, basically setting up your own uh, key pass software so like not not like LastPass, but something similar i can't remember which piece of software it was but like uh something that you can create your own you know uh you know password storage mechanism and stuff like that and then you sync thing across all your computers to uh to keep that file synchronized so you have all your passwords saved and uh ability to use them in all your browsers everywhere without actually, you know, loading up LastPass or some third party web service or, you know, using Google or whatever to store all your passwords, which of course makes somebody else in charge of all your passwords. <laughs> <laughs> so sync thing was kind of neat because it was, it was kind of like, uh, like your own personal setting up your own personal Dropbox 
because that's how Dropbox kind of works. It keeps everything in sync with those particular folders. So you actually have a set of folders that are on the sync. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everything it, attached to that sync has those folders. So uh, Right. It this creates is, sort of a clustered environment and it's done with a uh, high encryption. So this is also this also allows you to create sort of a cloud-ish environment where you can sync things between multiple people, it's not just for backing up your software to someplace for you know keeping it for long-term storage this actually allows you to do a dropbox like environment where you can have multiple users have access uh, secure access to all of the files and they'll be synced across the platform no matter where they get updated in in the uh, cluster so yeah so that is is really good and uh, of course it's an authenticated system so every node has to be authenticated meaning you actually have to add it uh not just a username and password i believe it actually has to pass a key and a token back and forth so you actually have to pair them much like uh, you would pair a phone or something like that with a you know set of headsets or something like that um of course it's probably more secure <laughs> <laughs> let's hope yeah 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 so uh it it's yeah it's kind of uh it's kind of really cool to set this up and use i i want to use this more um now that i'm reminded of it <laughs> and and this is in current development by the way and it supports solaris <laughs> oh, i'm in love i'm in love yeah <laughs> yeah latest activity was a couple months ago on the uh on the good old uh github so uh you can definitely find this project over there and take a look at it sync thing continuous file synchronization that is the ultimate backup solution so let's look at the last software specific even though we'll probably still talk about other software <laughs> yeah uh, i'm sure we will talk about list. other software and <laughs> if you look at all the lists of like backup solutions or like best backup solutions for 2020 or blah blah blah, blah you know if you google for all of those uh yeah. clickbaity type lists we're only scratching the surface of what you can do with backup solutions but z's definitely seem like some of the better ones so. yeah and i didn't want to like i didn't want to go over all of them <laughs> um like really in this this particular list i would probably well we haven't talked about duplicati but we will you know <laughs> sync thing uh backup pc bacula are probably the highlights of this particular category of just software. Um, sync thing is kind of on its own because it's not, it's kind of a backup solution, but it's, it's a little bit more than that. So, um, it's more of a hybrid type thing. So, uh, but yeah, let's talk about Duplicati real quick. Uh, and this is version two that's out. And of course, it does also work for Windows, Mac, OS, and Linux. They have a, a 2.0 beta out right now, or they have, uh, well, it looks like the old version is not supported, so don't use the old version. Stay away from it. <laughs> Unless so, you don't care about support, in which case, go for it. Do as you really need. <laughs> now, what's interesting about this software is that it's uh, it, it runs. <laughs> it runs. That's funny. Uh, it's, LB, it's LGPL, but it actually requires .NET or Mono to run. So I'm assuming this is actually built in C Sharp, if, if I could find the software. <laughs> It's a, it's going to be obviously a different set of tools that are sitting behind it or tooling. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's go. Find. It says it's built on protocols like FTP, SSH, WebDAV, and also includes things like Backblaze, B2, Tardigrade, OneDrive, Amazon S3, Google Drive, Mega, UBC, and other things. And some of those topics actually came up in the chat room. So I wanted to mention this 
for those folks who are using things like rubric 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 and backblaze and other things that duplicati might be something that they want to look at i don't know <laughs> so anyway you were saying <laughs> oh no i was letting you letting you continue to go under that because i was just kind of figuring out why Ah, okay. So you were trying yeah, to figure out if it was written in C sharp. Have you, well, have you, no, I was trying to figure out what was the binding. Why was it needing that? And now that I see that, uh, well, no, okay, that that's, that doesn't answer it. <laughs> 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 oh wow! So anyway, um, yeah, let's see. <laughs> I'm just going through. You're talking Shell. like somebody who's like about four sheets to the wind right now. <laughs> I know. I am he so is. sorry. <laughs> um, oh, this is actually written in Python. Oh, interesting. So why the mono requirement or the net, the dot net? That, well, that's what I was trying to figure out. <laughs> it's probably written in iron Python. Just to we'll, piss we'll set off. that on <laughs> our uh, research guru to find out why a Python application would require dot net or mono and we can move on unless you have yeah. something else you want to say about it. yeah so no it's a that's that's interesting yeah so this is another one that does incremental compressed backups so uh i don't see deduplication with it but being able to do also interface with the third party bigger products like you had mentioned backblaze amazon s3 and so on and so forth is always interesting um i would think a lot of I wouldn't say that this is the only thing that works with that just because a lot of those other products mentioned there can be mounted as a drive somewhere. Right. So and that means that you could interact with just about any software, including, including sync thing and stuff like that um, with those. So um, I wouldn't consider that to be special per se, um, but interesting nonetheless. Um, yeah. So, uh, so we we're, Talked about all of the softwares and packages. <laughs> we'll say say many of the softwares and packages because yeah, there are more. They're but. not all of them. Not even near all of them. There's probably a cabillion of them. <laughs> a cabillion. Uh, a cabillion. There's yeah. definitely a cabillion. Yeah. <laughs> At least a gigaton. You know, uh, <laughs> one point twenty one gigatons. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> picotons. No, wait. oh, that'd be really tiny. Never mind. Zetatons or, Z- oh, or whatever yeah. the next thing after pico yeah. is. Petatons. Pet- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, and you know you don't have to use software to do backup. Well, you have to use software. Copy is software. Well, yeah. You don't have to use. You're not. You're not picking up a. You're not picking up a bucket of bytes and moving them to another room. Right. You don't have to use a package to 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 move files around. You know, you've all done this between your your you know shell windows. Copy files from one place to another. Maybe you have a, a you know a file server or a computer with a bigger hard drive or what have you and you just you know select your files copy and paste over there or a computer uh, with two hard drives where you copy one to the yeah. other <laughs> <laughs> still connect to the same piece of junk computer right that's that's some uh, single point of failure uh yeah the point of backups is that you don't have a single point of failure i mean you want it to be somewhere else even if it's just the computer right next to you right it's not the computer you're on but it's the other computer, you know. <laughs> so maybe this computer gets annihilated and the other one doesn't. Um, you know, if you have like a major, you know, lightning storm or whatever takes out both, then yeah, that's probably not the best. Um, this is why businesses establish, you know, uh, backup protocols and offsite storage protocols in order to have a 
you know, a quote unquote disaster recovery plan, <laughs> which includes data storage. Um, and if you're, if you work in the systems administration, like Russ does, I'm sure they have to deal with that, that you always have to keep a copy somewhere else. So should the worst case actually occur, you actually could bring the business back with limited, uh, interruption. One one copy doesn't even scratch the surface of the redundancy we have, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because not not even does you know your your hardware has a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Um, yeah, you you send out copies and then you make you know more physical copies that are long term storage and then those get put away somewhere else. You know, probably in a you know somewhere where a bunch of banker boxes are stored as well <laughs> as, as a lot of people store data in, in these places um or yeah you send it up to the cloud but uh so yeah some of the tools you're going to use if you roll your own solution um and of course the the first one is is cp right copy that's you know same thing you're going to do copy and files you can do that uh you can copy with uh, some of the fancy flags so if you want to you know copy with archive that'll you know keep all the file permissions and everything else in place when you're moving files around um that's good if once you uh, grow up to the next step would be rsync rsync is probably what a lot of tools were originally built on <laughs> <laughs> probably Just, and probably still use actually under the hood i'd imagine i use rsync <laughs> every day so like rsync is something i've used for years and i continue to use and i still use it even in a mixed hybrid windows ubuntu environment I want, I want to, uh, mention my two favorite rsync flags. <laughs> okay. Um, you, by the way, when you say tack as a hyphen, yes. what, what does that come from? Cause I don't say that. That I that comes from the Sundays. I always learned it as a tack. As a tack. Okay. Well, yeah. So it would be like tack or tack tack. Yeah. For double tacks. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I started in a sun shop and that's sort of where I picked up all that stuff. And it okay. might've been just the guys I worked with. I don't well, know. I'm going to say it your way then, just because these are double tax. So, yes. <laughs> okay. So my two favorite rsync flags are tac tac partial and <laughs> tac tac progress. Oh, <laughs> so if you don't know those two use them, they're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is only if you like watching it right is that what you're telling me yeah well uh, not uh, progress yes you, you yeah. can dispense with progress one way or the other but partial is very important because if you if you interrupt an rsync uh transfer in the middle and you're using tac tac progress mm -hmm. then or i'm sorry tac tac partial <laughs> then it will resume at the bite oh, at nice. the bite limit so you should definitely use dash you know, tech tech partial so see like my favorite ones are auvpr <laughs> oh which is like how you copy it all right right well <laughs> and no, then, I was just, then I, when i'm mirroring i also do uh tech that, tech delete <laughs> yes or delete after depending yeah. on what you want to do i mean rsync is one of those things where if you look at the help file for rsync it will like blow the lid off your head uh because there's a thousand different things you can do with it um but yeah you can use the mirror option the avur for like visual and copy all and blah blah blah, blah, blah. yeah there's a thousand things you can do but again command line powerful complicated 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just have mine set up in a cron job and it picks up uh, the database backups and that's all it does all day long and every night. And yeah, it works. The nice part about rsync is you can quickly set up something and it works, including you can actually download rsync, you know, via the Sigwin tools. And of course, now you can do it with, uh, um, a Windows subsystem for Linux, you can use rsync natively inside of your Windows machines and everything will again play very nicely. And uh, yeah, it's totally doable to do a solution like that. You know, you do have to know what you're kind of getting into. This is not an incremental backup solution, although it it will continue to add new files <laughs> as you sync stuff. Um, but you know, if you have some options like delete and stuff like that enabled, you might have mixed results from uh, what you, is expected. You need to be careful with the delete options to make sure that you're actually maintaining a sync and not deleting things you want to keep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just, yeah. just be a little careful about that. Yeah. Yeah. And how often you change that and stuff like that. So let's move on to the windows version of that same command. Cause I just wanted to mention this, of course, is Robocopy. Um, and Robocopy works very much just like our sync. It has a mirror capability with a slash M I R and, uh, yeah, it works. Uh, it works, it works really well. So I, you know, if you only in a windows environment, Robocopy is your friend. If not, it would do windows subsystem for Linux and uh you know do the rsync if you want to roll your own that's probably the uh the easiest ways to go so now you've mentioned some uh some storage software as well in this list which are i I put this what you want the info on the dot net stuff oh yeah 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 we were talking about apparently it's an iron python thing Oh, no, iron python called it (laughs) yeah bill called it no it's it's an iron python thing yeah okay Okay. well yeah that'll teach you (laughs) 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 so i i threw a couple of things in here under the roll your own option because these are like roll your own storage solutions that include hardware and software uh that's why i put them in here um because well at least freenas and i'm i'm assuming sigma nas open media vault and rockstore maybe they don't maybe they do but at least freenas for sure and true nas uh actually provide hardware solutions that come with the software as well as just the software availability that you can put on whatever device you've got so freenas is actually a solution that i use uh, because it's super simple you can use the embedded platform it's really lightweight i i think it's like a few hundred k or something for an operating system that provides an entire GUI environment will run on anything Intel, basically, um, because it's based on BSD and gives you a full-fledged NAS and even cloud storage and streaming server-based solution. Uh, But FreeNAS is actually sort of just like you're creating NAS and it will allow you to set up NFS and CIFS and blah, blah, blah. You can create ZFS partitions, ButterFS, whatever. Use whatever storage you like. Uh, drive everything from a web-based GUI and backup however you want. And it's still an active production, but it's BSD-based. So if you don't like BSD, then you would go to what used to be called NAS for free, which is exactly free nas but on linux which is now called sigma nas which i think we talked about pretty recently didn't we or um i know we talked about 
the true NAS separation. Right. So true NAS. Free NAS becoming true NAS. Right. And uh, true NAS, I think, is like, at least from what I could see on the website, it's sort of like the enterprise solution for free NAS. No, it's actually going to be what FreeNAS morphs. Okay, into. so so that means that FreeNAS free is dead. Right. So FreeNAS will version, have yeah a an open source version and a commercial version, and of course they they also provide each one with hardware solutions if you so desire. They have embedded devices, so on and so forth. And then Sigma NAS is the same thing, but it's for Linux. I mean, the interfaces are identical. It's just one is built on BSD and the other is built on Linux. So they're the same thing. Sigma's built on BSD as well. I thought Sigma was... Is Sigma not Linux? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, I think it is because NAS for free was Linux. Mm. And NAS for free is what Sigma NAS came out of. Let's see. See, see, free NAS was BSD. NAS for free was free BSD on (laughs) Linux. And Sigma NAS is now what NAS for free is. So it should be based on Linux. Sigma NAS is distribution based on FreeBSD 11.2. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> so Curse but, you, interwebs. But the thing is, is NAS for free dead? Because I could have sworn... What's NAS for free? I don't even see that on the list here. No, it's not on the list because it's a dead project. But NAS for oh. free was the Linux spin of free NAS. Oh, was that what a free NAS originally came from? Yeah. Free, okay. free, no, no, no. Free NAS was first. It was the BSD oh, okay. one. And then NAS for free was free BSD, but built on Linux. I'm looking. Uh, okay. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. well, and okay. see, Zigma NAS came out of NAS for free. So there, I thought it there's was- a reason. There's a reason why this is right. Okay. And, re- and it's, it's because the reason why most of these came from BSD is because they're using ZFS and ZFS was not available in Linux at the beginning and zfs like don mentioned in the chat room kc9zmy he mentioned zfs because it's part of an overall solution for backup as well because zfs allows you to do snapshotting inside the os inside the uh, file system itself right this is why you have snapshots of snapshots of snapshots and you have this layer and uh the cool part about using ZFS and like a backup solution per se is that let's say you get one of these ransomware attacks, you literally can just go back to a previous snapshot and it will not be affected where if you have one of these attacks and you only have an incremental backup solution, there's a possibility that that entire backup solution will be corrupted as well as soon as you touch it with a computer on the infected network. So this is one of these really kind of multi-layer approach to security of your backups is using things like ZFS that store data and an additional layer mechanism that is not accessible to the file system. You literally have to kind of flip the, the uh, um, which actual snapshot you're running in. And uh, it's it's kind of a, a slick way of doing stuff. So a lot of the, the BSD stuff all had free NAS or all had uh, ZFS and probably the Linux one came out shortly thereafter when uh, ZFS was ported to the Linux kernel. Yeah. The thing is I looked up NAS for free and it says it was based on BSD too, but I could swear there was one that was the exact (laughs) same platform built for Linux, but 
whatever. So let's just okay. Yeah. Okay, let me let me let me just let me just okay. Jump in here jump and in correct all of here. us. So. No, well, no, it's not really a jump in and correct <laughs> anybody. Um, Nas for free switched over to Zigma Nas. Yeah, yeah, that's what we just said. But. Right, which is still in existence. Yeah. So, but it doesn't really doesn't say do, it, yeah it doesn't really say anything about the thing it. yeah so, the next just, one the next one in the list open media vault is definitely wnos yes open media vault is definitely based on debian <laughs> so okay so there's a linux one so yeah segue into a linux <laughs> one just to get off of that topic <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so this one has the same sort of support uh based on debian linux web-based administration scheduled jobs do blah blah blah, blah. Uh, this one is nice because it has advanced uh, networking support. I don't know if FreeNAS and Zigma NAS allow for port channeling or Ether channeling uh, or LACP or things like that, but this definitely does. Uh, it allows for XFS, JFS, uh, includes support for uh, RAID systems, JBOD systems, sharing management, lots of different monitoring abilities, including SMART, SNMP, uh, syslog blah 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 and it even has plugins for doing uh, logical volume management ldap authentication uh, antivirus solutions BitTorrent clienting and everything so if you want something that will not only store your files but also serve them back to you in lots of different unique and cool ways uh, that's also based on linux and not bsd then you could try open media vault and if, of course open source uh do we have a license on open media vault here oh it's right here look there's a licensing link wow you gotta love it um <laughs> what did you want to know about sigma if no 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 i would there was some confusion about uh which no, you thing. just said i don't know if sigma offers us or not i did yeah well you're just a second ago all right never mind <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember it and i didn't hear all of it then <laughs> It was one of the features of Open Media Vault that you had mentioned. Oh, uh, like LACP, like uh, oh yeah, Ether Channel and Ether Channel. Like yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm looking at the the Zignanets. That's a pretty specific technology. <laughs> yeah, I, not, not Ether Channel specifically, but LACP anyway. Uh, link bonding, yeah. things like that. I mean, there, there's open protocols for doing all of that stuff. Yeah, so. no, it's it's there's tons of different things here, like disk drive and management. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I don't see any of that. So. so open media vault is GPL V3. So there you go. Very cool. Um, and it has, uh, an ISO version. You can download install and turn your computer into an open media vault. And then there's rock store. Yeah. This one's running butter FS. So talk butter about FS on CentOS just yeah. to be different everybody <laughs> needs butter in their life <laughs> more butter more butter blues there you go butterfs is actually a really interesting um file system it does a lot of the things that zfs does it has snapshotting and all kinds of uh encryption and error correction and blah blah blah, blah. it's also the back-end storage for some of the newer um nas solutions which we're going to talk about here in a second so ZFS and ButterFS are sort of where things are going. I remember going to conferences like 15 years ago where uh, whatever her name was, Valerie something, who was one of the project leads on the ButterFS project, was first introducing ButterFS. And it all sounded so like new and crazy and like, what is this thing that you're creating? Like, we all only need ext3 and we'll never need anything else. <laughs> um, but now ButterFS has become its own thing and it's 
really being used is really robust. So, but yeah, so if you want a Linux version of a software package that will back up for you and also do serving and all the crazy things that we've been talking about, uh, you could try Rockstore. And let's see, I don't think I had a, uh, I don't have a window open for Rockstore. So what is its what license? Like? It it's is... a Valerie Aurora, by the way. A Valerie Aurora, that's right. What did I say? Did I say Valerie? You said Valerie something. Something, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trademark. She's still like, head of the uh, ButterFS project or whatever. Or? Looks like it. She's down as developer documentation on it. So yeah. So that was a long time ago. I remember seeing her talk about ButterFS so back GPL3. when it was in its infancy. So yes, Rockstore GPL three V. Almost like the name of my 3V, motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rockstar. <clears throat> so how's that clutch going? Anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Need to bleed. That's what I. That's where I'm at. Need to bleed. That's what I, I'm doing. So the next one here is Japora. Which is basically the next section here, just you know, plain old Raid Array, which is what right. you use, right? <laughs> That's not what I use. So, so this should go down here in the other section, Japora. All right, Japora. Yeah, I just threw that in there. That's All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> not quite a a roll your own hardware solution, but it is a roll your own hardware solution in some manner of respect. Um, and uh, this this is the same as a. Uh, Geez, uh, you know, having RAID 1, which is basically a mirror copy of your drive for, you know, this helps you when you have a drive failure. Um, you could do RAID 5 or uh, I guess 6 is similar, right? Where you have multiple drives and it's striped and you can lose one, possibly two drives, depending upon how many drives you actually have in the stack. No, I mean, RAID 1. RAID 1 is just no, a mirror five. copy. Oh, 5. No, five. Yeah, 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 5. five. Five, you have to have at least three drives because you got two mains and one parity disk. So, yeah. So you can always lose what one. You can lose one. Yeah. yeah. So, but you can add more. So you can have like five drives, 10 drives, whatever. I think there's a yep. limit though, isn't there? Uh, I think there's a practical limit because you can only fit so many drives controller. in a piece of hardware. So, yeah, yeah your controller. controller starts running right. out of addressability <laughs> and stuff like that at some point. Um, then you also have the one, the hybrid where you take, you know, two RAID 5s and you mirror them. <laughs> <laughs> so you have uh, additional fault tolerance that way and there's uh, many different ways you can build your raid to uh to do that but it, again you're you're looking at only saving if there's a single drive failure um if the box were to get like struck by lightning flooded because your basement flooded whatever uh no that that is not a solution <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the same thing we were talking about earlier, where I was just copying it to the other computer, although that is, you know, kind of, you know, getting a mirror copy of my software, it, it might not necessarily be the backup solution that is uh, is necessarily the way you want to go. So uh, other hardware solutions that implement RAID arrays or RAID systems, you got a few here listed. I see Drobo. That one's pretty popular. Drobo's been around for a while, and it's not technically, I mean, you can use it in a RAID system, but they're technically what's called JBOD systems. Um, JBOD is a little different than RAID. Um, the idea behind RAID is that you have a bunch of disks that are all the same size that you create um, either parity across multiple disks, or you can stripe across multiple disks, or you can do combinations of the two, but the disks all tend to be the same kind of disc mm -hmm. that way you can pop one out and pop one in 
Drobo takes that sort of a different, or, or not Drobo specifically, but JBOD takes that to basically you create a single file system across a bunch of disks. And JBOD means just a bunch of disks. <laughs> and, um, very clever. Yeah, very clever. <laughs> and, and it creates a, a solution that has some redundancy and stuff. And you can basically just throw a bunch of disks into a box whether they're the same size or not, and it will create a fault-tolerant uh, file system on top of that. Um, J- JBOD and uh, Drobo technology was a little bit flaky at first. They've come a long way, so uh, it's definitely something you can work on. But there are lots of different NAS appliances out there, too. I just put a couple of in here that I'm familiar with. Um, there's lots of other options in here that you could choose if you so desire. Uh, but the one I chose to mention, or the ones I chose to mention rather, are things like the Buffalo Terra Station. This is something that I actually have and own. I have mine set up in a RAID 1 array. They have their own built-in operating systems with GUIs, and it allows you to serve files via NFS, CFS, um and they they actually support things like bonjour and stuff like that so they bonjour bonjour yeah so they actually just show up on systems that are on the same network and you can back up to them and of course they they are raid supported so they they are fault tolerant to a certain extent uh some support a couple of disks some support more than that just depends on which one you want to buy um Synology is one I just came across. They have their own embedded operating system. I think it's based on Linux or some other thing. It could be BSD, whatever. Um, they're pretty easy to set up. They're basically just a, a hardware box like a uh, 2U or 3U server or maybe even tower server with a bunch of disks in them. They put their um, operating system on top of them, and it creates... Uh, an operating system on top of a bunch of disks where you create volumes, you map out, and, and they support uh, ButterFS, and I think there was one other uh, option they have for that. And it just allows you to back up to these things and uh, to serve as well. Um, you can set up NFS shares, you can set up streaming video, streaming audio, so on and so forth mm-hmm. uh, with Synology. Um, I, I put in this thing. I didn't even know about this till today, till I started doing the Google search, but it's called the Cobol Helio 64. And this is supposed to be an open platform NAS solution, including software and hardware. And I tell you what, if you just go to the website for this thing, this is a damn sexy piece of kit. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate arm powered NAS pre-order now. That's not clickbaity or anything like that. Anyway. No. Um, they're not that expensive. I think the five disc units, like 300 bucks and they are, they are awesome. I would love to have one of these things just sitting on a shelf. (laughs) You don't sit over there and smirk at me across the room. You look at the last Google for a piece of computer sitting around the house. (laughs) What am I Googling for? You're Googling for COBOL, K-O-B-O-L helios.io that's all you do yeah kobol.io there you go <laughs> scalable extensive storage capability enjoy up to 80 terabyte of data storage of course if you could throw in the drive so you got five bays five drives 
So I'm assuming that for 80, you'd need 24 terabyte drives, probably 20 yeah. terabyte drives, five of them. I so wouldn't say it's then you throw away sexy. One. I don't know. That thing's pretty hot looking. And I tell you what, if that was gigabit ethernets, if that was sitting on the shelf in your office, instead of that Terra station, I bet you'd be looking at it a lot more. He'd be the like, the oh, station was out in the garage away from everything else where she didn't have to look at anything except for like a pretty flower or a plant or a picture. Yeah, exactly. I would think that would be better. You do have that gigabit Ethernet link now, so uh, use it. That's true. Might, might do that, actually. Could Move put the terror station outside. Out of here. Uh, oh, if you would put the terror station outside, I would be thrilled because that'd give me another two feet of dust space there you go well i could take the terror station outside and i can also get rid of that telephone because the, yeah, this does i don't need that good. telephone anymore either so occasionally i use like a telephone the, but it's like once in a blue yeah so it's kind of like in the same line as like you could build your own um pie based uh raid array because this is all yeah. this is just using serial ata isn't it yep i think so it does have dual network connectors, so it probably allows for uh, L- LACP and all that stuff. So uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, Don in the chat room, KC9ZMY, mentions QNAP, which is one I did not put in here, so I should probably write that down. And he also talked about Synology, which you do have in here. Yes, yes, we've talked about Synology. That's something I have only recently been introduced to because we now have a Synology at work. Um, I bought a... 50 terabyte Synology array. And actually, I have to say that creating the volumes and setting up for uh, iSCSI, this is something we haven't talked about, is setting up iSCSI targets, um, which is definitely something we're not going to get into in this, <laughs> in this particular discussion because it's uh, not exactly a superficial topic. Uh, but but creating a volume across the RAID array, including uh, I set mine up in a RAID 6 with dual hot spares and still was allowed about 45 terabytes of available space and then was able to set up the iSCSI initiator or iSCSI target. And well, no, it's the initiator because the target's on the other side um, and all that stuff inside of like a half an hour using their web-based GUI. It's proprietary, yeah. but it's... I mean, the Synology for, for price, performance, and, you know, uh, ease of use, definitely worth looking into, even even for an at-home solution. And then the uh, Western Digital MyCloud is just a multi-disc array in a box with a web solution that allows you to uh, do NAS-based storage streaming uh CIFIS file sharing nfs blah blah blah, blah. There, there's a million of these things out there we can mention them all i suppose if we had time but we don't so <laughs> yeah qnap is very similar to that just looking at it briefly so like uh yeah and you know you can also use i believe uh you have uh, the western digital my cloud listed here i think that comes with almost every uh external hard drive you buy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, so like you could just use an external hard drive and call it good and sync over to your external hard drive using one of the tools listed above, you know, CP, R-Sync, what have you. Um, I'm looking at a Western Digital My my book on my shelf right over there. I can see yeah. it from here. So <laughs> I see a bunch of empty bodies from some um, My Drive things <laughs> that we uh, shucked all the drives out of for our storage solution here, which is running on uh, Ubuntu. And we have 24 terabytes of lovely storage 
sitting uh, a couple feet away from me. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) you can build a storage system using just about everything. There's a lot of commercial solutions out there, a lot of cool commercial solutions (laughs) out there. Or you can even, uh, you know, if you have an older machine, uh, you have the ability to uh, do some drive shucking. Uh, I would definitely uh, point you to uh, Reddit and go to the Data Hoarder uh, subreddit. (laughs) And uh, you can learn more about building your own uh, huge storage array at your house for uber cheap (laughs) and sometimes not uber cheap, but uh, lots of lots of interesting information over there in the uh, in that particular subreddit for uh, the big hardware solution. So I think we need to just kind of throw a bow on this whole backup thing. Well, let me Uh, let me say one more thing. I do do want to say, um, at least as far as the Synology is concerned and the iSCSI, one thing that's nice about that is you don't have to have the file system at the presentation layer. Uh, the Synology handles only a couple of different file system options, and I, I chose ButterFS, but ButterFS is not available to Windows, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. But that's all obfuscated because you create a volume, you build that volume on the RAID array as ButterFS, and then you link to the systems that need access to it via iSCSI, and iSCSI obfuscates the underlying file system. So you can put NTFS you can mount that ButterFS volume across the network using iSCSI as NTFS and the Windows machine or whatever you're connecting to doesn't have any idea that ButterFS is what's underneath. So it's pretty cool that way. And I think the biggest takeaway from all of this is back up your stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, because eliminating- there's been times that Russ hasn't backed up stuff, and Cheryl's cried. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not happening anymore. So, yeah. eliminating single points of failure, absolutely, um, in your setup, and and even my kids have ran into this with their Xbox. They thought they were being really clever, saving all their profile data off onto a thumb drive until that thumb drive died, and then guess what? All those saved, <laughs> oh, saved we should, stuff yeah. is, uh, is no longer saved. So we should th- mention that things like uh, Sigma, Sigma NAS and FreeNAS and stuff are actually designed to be run in an embedded format, in other, whether hardware or software, so that they can be booted from like a, an SD card or a thumb drive for operation so that the operating system is not contained on the storage drive. So that if your operating system goes away or something like that, you can just put in a new thumb drive or a new SD card or whatever to boot back up and you haven't lost anything. So that's kind of an option that we should probably mention for those particular solutions. And that's on the FreeNAS? Yeah, FreeNAS, SingaNAS, any of those, or SigmaNAS, yeah. Yeah, and that's why uh, I believe we mentioned that last time that if you're running um, those particular systems, yeah, look, a backup failed. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be using free NAS to do important stuff except for just letting it do the NAS stuff. You know, don't let it run web servers. Don't let it run, you know, you know, some other critical piece of infrastructure. Um, you know, like my kids are running the, uh, the old, uh, a Minecraft server on the box down here. It's not free NAS specifically for that reason. We wanted it to be a real box because it's doing other stuff that is not <laughs> specific to the file storage stuff. 
So if you're building your own little garage NAS system, uh, you know, think about stuff like that. You know, should you just have maybe some other boxes doing some of the other stuff? You know, Raspberry Pi 4s now come with 8 gigs of memory. They're great <laughs> to spin out uh, services and stuff like that, too. You know, definitely consider uh, using those instead of your NAS box to actually run some processes and stuff like that uh, for cheap. Otherwise, and, you can always scrape some old hardware from various vendors and uh, and, and use something And else. Don brings up probably the most important point that I wasn't going to mention until he mentioned it, <laughs> is that you should periodically and probably frequently test to make sure that your backup solution actually is keeping the data that you have. You should perform test restores. This is why I make 10,000 copies of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can have multi, if you can have a replicated backup solution that's even better. But regardless of whatever solution you you choose to use, you should make sure that periodically you make sure that you can recover the data that you've stored on your backup solution because if ultimately when everything hits the fan and you can't get the data back because the hard drive failed and you didn't check it. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. So make sure you do that. It's, Not it's good to go through those exercises. And I know as like business people, we have to, we're almost forced to do these things. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're going to do a, a walkthrough of our disaster recovery. And it's like, okay, let me see if this stuff is actually working. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And it's always fun to kind of see uh, see that stuff in play. But at home, you don't really think about it that much because hell, half the time you're not even backing anything up at home until yep. you until you finally lose something fairly critical and you realize that, yeah, there's no other copy. And, oh, yeah, the hard drive is dead, dead. It's not spinning up. You're not going to be able to cut, get any files off of it. <laughs> or and, you put power to it and it's making this really odd clicking yeah, noise. Click, 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 <laughs> click, click, click. Yeah, you're in, you're in huge trouble. So... So yeah, the, the, the big bow on the, the whole thing is backup, even from your home PC. It's important that you save stuff, you know, like even on, you know, the box I'm recording on, being able to save recording stuff, recording setups. I don't want to have to go back in and set up all these stupid virtual devices I have to do for this podcast <laughs> on this box, you know, back that up to a, some other machine. Should I need to rebuild that somewhere else? You know, backing up your dot config directories, you know, from your Linux box that has your license uh, files, your CQR log files, your database and everything else like that. You know, there's tons of reasons that you should keep a copy of stuff, you know, so consider any one of these solutions, maybe multiples of these solutions um, in your overall disaster recovery slash, you know, don't lose all my crap on my computer uh, plan at home. Absolutely. And Don also mentions that Synology supports Docker. So there you go to, uh, <laughs> to combine two topics. <laughs> so anyway, we should probably wrap this up. We have gone a long way into talking about backups, but the long and short of it is get a backup solution, whatever one it happens to be, back up your data, test restores, make sure you have a copy somewhere because you, one of these days, whether you think so or not, you're going to lose something you want to keep. <laughs> yep. So. All right. With that, let's move on to something we haven't done for a while here on this program, announcements and feedback. 
so the first thing we're going to do is a quick announcement, and that's to mention the QSO Today Ham Radio Expo, because that thing's coming up super quick here. That's August 8th and 9th. We will, of course, be there. Our booth is set up. It's ready to go. They fixed the problem with the links. <laughs> so, Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So you can. Yeah, act- I just saw an email from Eric today. So they're they're really happy with the progress. They got lots of uh, lots of booths and lots of attendees already signed up. So if you haven't signed up, get signed up and uh, let's try to let's try to make this thing a success together. Absolutely. Plus, they're giving away stuff. How can you go wrong? So yeah, get <laughs> free stuff, right? That's not a bad thing. All right, so let's let's Cheryl back into the program since we've been rambling on forever and ever. (laughs) So you want to hit a couple of these bits of feedback? Sure. All right, cool. So um, I guess I'm doing the one for Keith. Keith, yeah. All right, straightforward enough. So there you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So our uh, I guess first email is from Keith G0HKC. Says hi. I'm pretty new to Linux. I hope your MP3 could help. Make it, uh, let me start that over again. <laughs> Emails from Keith, G0HKC. So, hi, I'm pretty new to Linux, and I hope your MP3 can help me get to know it. Regards, Keith, CWA Advisor. I don't know what CWA Advisor is, but okay. Um, <laughs> not Boy Scouts, obviously. Well, no, so. he's, he's British, so it would be the Boy Scouts anyway. It'd be something else. Unless they're the Boy Scouts in, in England. I don't know. Are they? Uh, they, they have a different one. Yeah, I figured they would. So, all right. So, oh, he's a he's a CW Ops guy. Gotcha. Oh, okay, cool. CW Ops group. So he's a big CW fan, and uh, we like CWs, even though Russ doesn't do any CWs much. Uh, uh, yeah, every once in a while. I have every a once in a while, I, I got to do a little dits. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he does the dit dit after every single sideband conversation. <laughs> Seventy three dit dit. <laughs> All right, so we'll let Cheryl read this next one, too, since she was the only one who decided that it was worthy to respond to uh, said uh, respond or er, or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so anyway, go ahead. (laughs) All righty, then. So our next one came in from Dick, uh, WB7OND. Now, I will will say before you read this... um, He signs he signs this R Linder. Okay. So obviously his, his name Richard, is Richard right. Linder. But the email came in and the from the from address said Dick WB seven O N D. And I just want to clarify that before you read this email. <laughs> okay. So anyway. So back back to the whole thing again. Says uh, your show on Docker was the first I ever listened to. It was great. I'd never heard of Docker before, and now I've used it for a couple of things. I'm a new Linux user of only about ten years now. I don't consider that new, but okay. Well, that's that's not really new since mm. Linux hasn't been around more than sixteen ish year. Well, eighteen. Yeah, give or take. So maybe yeah. he meant one year. No, I'm. It's no. probably we'll 10, assume ten. Yeah, but anyway, okay, yeah. all right. Uh, still use Windows for most stuff. I listen to your podcast while cutting the lawn on my noise abatement headset. Great show. Unfortunately, the noise abatement headset does nothing for that god awful music you play before and after the show. <laughs> Everybody, stop chuckling. <laughs> Once I launch the podcast, it's not easy to kill that head headbanger music. Other than that great show, I'll be a sometimes listener. Regards, seventy three. R. Linder, WB7OND. Now, first of all, breaking the law, breaking the law, breaking the law. 
is there, is there anybody who considers our intro and outro headbanger music? I mean, oh man, let me tell you, I bang my head every day. <laughs> I bang my head every day too, but for Not, completely yeah, different, different reasons. reasons yeah. Oh wait, we're talking about music. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Well, Cheryl decided to respond yes. to uh, Richard Linder, and I guess you're going to read your response. Yes, I, I will now read my response since I just put it into the etherpad. My response to Mr. Linder was, "Hello." Or hi, excuse me. You can't so, even read your own yeah, response. Sorry, right? Yeah, no, no, sorry, it. sorry. Yeah, I'm living. Yeah, I, I'm used to dealing with Bill Paraphrase here. So myself. yeah, yeah. So, so we're glad that you like the show, except for the music. The writer report, uh, per, excuse me, writer performer that music was a dear friend of Russ's and spent his life writing and recording music. He was also a huge friend and supporter of the show and recently passed away. In his memory, the music will always remain a part of the show. Sadly, we cannot please everyone, but luckily for you, it's only a few seconds of agony before we get to the important stuff. We're glad to hear that you're a fan of Docker. It's amazing. We have 355 episodes talking about all sorts of great things in the Linux and ham radio world. Hopefully, you'll get a chance to listen to our other episodes. Thanks for writing us, Cheryl, W5MOO. All right. Very good. I don't think we need to say any more about that. We hope that Richard continues to listen and... um, we do have an option. It's a paid option. If you pay to support the show, $2 a month or $20 a year, that gives you a $4 discount over 12 months. Then you get episodes that don't have the intro and outro music or any other music that we would decide to play. So if that's an option for you, maybe you should choose it. A couple bucks a month doesn't hurt anyone. At least not that I'm aware of. <laughs> anyway. So thanks, Richard, for uh, writing in. We appreciate all feedback, good or bad. And uh, we hope you continue to listen to the program. And next, we have a couple of bits of feedback from Rich, K0EB. The first one is voicemail, which Bill will not be able to hear unless he switches over to the stream real quick. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and play this first one. This is a voicemail from Rich, K0EB. Hi, guys. I just wanted to recommend a app. It's an actual, it's a, an Android app. Um, it showed up in F-Droid, and there are only a couple Android apps in F-Droid. So when this uh, showed up, I was like, oh, I'll check it out. It's a called Look for Sack, and it is a satellite tracking app. The developer was inspired by Gpredict, which we all know, and uh, it works real great. And it's on um, GitHub. So it's uh, open, it's ad-free, I love that. So just thought I'd mention it. It actually came out in February of this year, but uh, I think it just got an update in June, and I, it's slick. I, I love it. Anyway, thanks for all the shows. This is Rich, K0EB73. All righty then. So that was from Rich. What was the app name again? I don't, I don't know. I didn't catch it either. So. Oh, man. It's a, uh, yeah. It's an F Droid uh, satellite some... tracking app. I don't know. Oh, my God. You guys should have put it in the notes. Yeah. Anyway, that's really awesome. And uh, it's really cool to actually have a voicemail. So, everybody, it works. You can call our voicemail. It's 1 909 LHS show. And I don't know the numbers because I don't use phone <laughs> yeah here i have my phone lying here in front of me so let me uh let it's me like tell you what six, that is four nine or something <laughs> yeah uh 909 would be i don't we, we just need lhs yeah lhs yeah so the lhs would be five four 
seven. What you're trying to figure out the show? Yeah. What's the yeah, LHS no, show do you, note? Do you know the one nine oh nine five four seven seven four six nine? There you there go. You go. Seven four six nine. There yeah. you go. So yeah, uh, it's really cool to hear it running. So did you catch the app name, Russ? I, I know you yes, it was Look for Sat. L O O K four the number four S A T. Look for Sat radio satellite tracker available for Android. It's running uh, version 1.45, is the latest version, has Polar View, and uh, so they have a TLE import, so it looks like you can grab the latest TLEs uh, for your satellites of interest. And yeah, I'll have to uh, check this out, and we'll maybe include it in a review in our short uh, short topics segment. Yeah, this looks pretty slick. Yeah, so it's calculating satellite passes for up to one week, 168 hours, calculating passes for current or manually entered location. Yeah, runs on Android 5 or newer, so it runs on just about Anything, every single yeah. Android phone out there. So it looks like we got to have, a, have an email as well. So why don't, uh, Cheryl, why don't you go for that? All right. Yep, you can do that too. And with, with Rich sending us all this information, why are you just not on the show for crying out loud? Yeah, Rich, what happened? <laughs> why, why I want to know what happened to BSD in the ham shack. That's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so our last email is from Rich, K0EB, and he's been a past show host. Uh, so moving on, he says, have you guys mentioned this on the show? The goal is to produce a completely open digital voice system using all open hardware and software. M17 uses Codec 2 as the vocoder. There's also work being done on a repeater. Gerber files for the TR9 handheld have just been released, so there should be some work radio soon. 73, Mr. Gordon K zero E B. Mr. Gordon. Mr. Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes we, we have actually mentioned this in episode three twenty three. So in our show notes and answer to you, Rich, yes. Yes, we have talked about <laughs> M17 project. And we will be talking about it again, most likely on the next deep dive. Yeah, it looks like it's coming together quite well. I think when we talked about it, they had made their uh one of their first big PR pushes as a group and stuff like that. So, uh, should be interesting to get together and talk about that. Um, I'm, uh, I'm still, uh, you know, uh, am, am, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I have no idea. Ambivalent about, uh, about, uh, internet based radio. So, um, but, uh, I'm still, I still would like to hear about it. It uh, is always interesting to see what people are building and uh, open solutions to replace or supplant you know non-open solutions are always a good thing and uh the mind of an open source kind of guy so uh yeah yeah it'd be interesting and i think you're working on trying to uh maybe maybe get them on another deep dive here that is the goal and actually it would be really cool since it's based on codec 2 to get david rowe and the m17 guys on the same call that would be awesome but yeah that'd be the double whammy we're going to see what we can do, but we will definitely be talking about M17, you know, in the coming days for sure, because it's a project that, uh, as I see from their website, they're looking to supplant things like D-Star and Yezu System Fusion and all of those with an open protocol and open platform. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, it's a It's a grand goal. I'll give them that um there's nothing wrong with dreaming well and i'm not saying that something might not come of it but they are definitely uh the they are definitely david against goliath at the moment so yeah. we'll see how that goes 
But either way, thick thanks, Rich, for mentioning the M17 project. We have uh, talked about it before, and but again, it's a project worthy of note, and we will be talking about it again. So that means we have come down to the end of our discussion about backups and why you should do them and how you can do them, and also our announcements and feedback, which we have not done for uh, several weeks now, actually, because we've been pushing back the deep dive episode. But we're back to it. And hopefully back on track for the uh, foreseeable future. We'll just blame it on on Bill. Yeah, we, so. we may blame yeah, everything yeah, on yeah. Bill. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, thanks to the folks who joined us tonight for a lively discussion in the chat room. We had lots of people. It was great to have everyone in there. We had Stacy KB7YS, Don KC9ZMY, Ted WA0EIR, Tony K4XSS, uh, Mark Spoo. <laughs> we we don't know anything about that we know he was in and we know he was listening uh maybe one of these days we'll he get likes a, old forester too right uh yes he said he loved the old forester 1920 which is a hell of a dram so thanks for that uh i've been sipping on eagle rare tonight so uh, uh you're just trying to make bill mad no bill bill has easy oh, that's, that's, that's right rare. that's right it was yeah, the other the one or 12 I know. Yeah, i'm still looking yeah. for <laughs> so we also had steve k7 hvt paul k5 wma don kbtysi and last but not least we had tom and 4hai <laughs> you're all waiting okay. for it <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway thanks everybody who listened to the show tonight i'm gonna leave now <laughs> we appreciate it and uh we hope you have a great week and hope you join us for episode number 360 when it rolls around this has been episode number 359 of linux in the Hamshack. i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and I'm Bill, and E4RD73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch by social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand 
email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.